Hey y'all, what's up? It's your good friend Chase. I am in your ears and happy to be here. Welcome to another episode of the show. That's right, the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. You guys know this show. This is where I sit down with awesome humans and do everything I can to unpack their brains and give you some actionable insights. Just not just that stuff that you can read about or put on a wall somewhere. This is the good stuff. And my episode today is a doozy because we're going live to the Creator Awards in a little collab with WeWork at the Creator Awards in San Francisco. That's right. I hosted an amazing panel uh, and I made this a very special episode because we were with three top serial entrepreneurs and creators. One a serial entrepreneur by the name of Kevin Rose. You know Kevin. He's been on the show before. Started Dig. He's been a, an investor at Google, Google Ventures, True Ventures. He's just an absolute legend in the field and knows a lot about starting companies, growing them, and helping other entrepreneurs. Just a ton of wisdom from this guy. Also, we're with Kelly Wurstler. Kelly is an amazing world-class interior designer. She designs uh, everything from hotels to the inside of celebrities. Liberty Homes, and a lot of stuff in between. We also hear from Tan France. Tan is the star of Netflix, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, longtime fashion designer, an amazing human in his own right as well. And we talk about a bunch of stuff, not just entrepreneurship, not just creatorship, but design and living a life around the things that you love and how to maximize personal growth and live what we called a big life. I'm super pumped for you to hear from these folks. In particular, here's a few bullets that we cover. One, working remotely or in a location that's not like the center of New York City. And, you know, just the uh, population tells me that there are a lot of you out there in the world who don't live in New York, LA, SF, Chicago, you know, you get it. So if you are one of those people, you're going to get a ton out of this. Also, how to find mentors and how to engage in not just the creative community, but your specific industry. There's a lot of really good prescriptive stuff in here. We talk about fear and failure. We won't go into some specifics of Kevin Rose does a really good job of, of how he failed, how he thought he failed so specifically at dig it was acquired it was you know it was a big deal it was a big website at one time but he actually revealed some things here that i hadn't heard in previous conversations with him and he and i've been buddies for a long time we also talk about top ways that these leaders engage others both outside of their organization and internally how they provide support how they inspire them and how they lead and then we also talked about finding inspiration that can inform not just our work but our life. Lastly, there's a really good section on self-care, not just things like meditation, but how we think about taking care of ourselves in an area, in a world where we're doing a thing you love and you're working nonstop. How do you support sort of your relationship with family and importantly with yourself? How do you put your own oxygen mask on before helping others? Super good show for you. I can't wait. You're going to love it. There's a, there's a crowd, a live crowd of, I don't know, maybe 300 or so in a hot room where we, there was a, it was a really, really amazing amazing an amazing event and i can't wait for you to listen in all right before we do a quick word from our sponsor and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go right off the top of my head here because i want to give a shout out to two companies one to WeWork. i just think that what they're doing is super cool supporting the the creator and the entrepreneur uh, you know them there you got they got co-working sites all over the world we've actually recorded some of this podcast not just this particular episode but previous episodes there's a great all-around partner and the the folks like 
what Creative Live does and what WeWork does to support the creative community. I, I love the alignment there and they've been fantastic and awesome to work with. And if you're looking for a desk or a place to work, so many of my friends who are creators work there. And also a second shout out to Creative Live. We were most recently, like in the last few days here, named App of the Day in the Apple iTunes store of over 2. Point, what is it, 2.5, 2.3 million apps. They recognize the Creative Live app as one of the top, it's the app of the day. And obviously that's a huge accolade for us, but I wanted to share with it because not only do they sponsor this show and not only did I found the company, but I believe deeply in not just, of course, the mission and vision of Creative Live, but the app in particular. So if you're an iOS user, you should check that app out. It allows you to play one free lesson every single day. So you don't have to pay for anything if that's your prerogative. And, and basically, you know, you're listening to a podcast right now and every one of those 25,000 lessons if you use our iOS app, can be listened to rather than watched. And you can listen on 1.25 or 1.5 or even two. You get it. It's, it's like having access to 25,000 podcasts, one every day, immediately. So again, check it out, App of the Day on the iOS store. And if you're a, an Android user, I want you to know that we're in process working on your stuff. So again, shout out to Creative Live, shout out to WeWork, and now let's get into the show. Welcome to the stage for me, uh, Chase Jarvis. Yeah, Chase Jarvis. We have Kevin Rose. We have Kelly Wurzler and our friend Tan Franz. Come on up, y'all. What's up, y'all? You good? You hot in here? Yes. All right. So I have the great privilege of hanging out with a couple of uh, very talented creators and entrepreneurs here on stage. Um, we talked a little bit backstage uh, around specifically what we feel like would inspire and inform you all. And I, I posed a few questions to some folks here in the audience and what we heard is stories of inspiration. You wanted to hear about overcoming challenges and you wanted to hear about living a big life where you challenge yourself to be your best self and live your dreams, whether that's in career, in hobby, and or life. So I think each of the, the, the folks up here on the stage, they exemplify that life. And I want to start off by going straight to my man, Tan. Hi. Thank you, everyone. Hey, first Hi. of all, second season. Congratulations. What's yes. up? Thanks. We're super excited about it. Uh, you came here from the UK. I sure did. And is that a, was that something that uh, you had always aspired to or was that a natural progression in your career? Because I think a lot of people want to know, do I have to go somewhere to do a thing? Okay, I've got two answers, yes and no, actually. It depends on the kind of business you have. So uh, for me, I, I started my business in the UK. I, have, I had an, a ladies apparel business um, and it was doing well. However, I wanted to target a much larger market. So it depends where you are. I was in a small um, country, England's very, very small. Um, and I wanted to really uh, have a worldwide uh, business. So the only place for me was gonna be the US. Um, so that's what really encouraged me to move over here when I was 21. And then I, I stayed here part-time until I really kicked off my businesses around about eight years ago. Uh, so for me, it really is important to find the market that works for you. I was targeting American women. It made sense to be in the US. 
Yeah. Right, quick follow-on question. If you do want to target your market, you now live in Salt Lake City. Show do, show do. But, <laughs> and, but I think that's incredible. Like, the fact that we can all work anywhere and the fact that, for example, there are WeWorks all over the world, how does that impact both positively and negatively how you do your work on a daily basis? For me, it's positive. There are many reasons why I chose to move to Salt Lake. First and foremost, my beautiful husband lives there. Yes. Um, okay, and secondly, I wanted to find somewhere where the costs were low. Um, we were producing in, uh, in China. However, we were ha warehousing in America, and that gets super expensive in somewhere like, well, the coastal states. And so Utah works really well for me. I, every decision I've made for my businesses is very well thought out. If I'm going to... Uh, have a warehouse, it better be somewhere that's uh, economical. And so Utah made sense for me. However, we're in 2018. You can run a business from pretty much anywhere. I wanted operations to be in the US, but I could live anywhere in the US um, my, as long as I was willing to travel. And so I guess it really depends on how you want your work-life balance to be. I want to keep my husband. I really don't fancy divorce this year. So I'm just going to travel home a lot. But I can run my business from the US and still travel around and get stuff done. Beautiful. All right. Speaking of working in remote locations, Kelly hails from a little city called uh, Lo Los, uh, Los Angeles. Anybody heard of Los Angeles? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about what you do. The fact I, I know that you just have uh, done a hotel here in San Francisco, but give a little bit of the backstory for anyone who's not familiar with your work, and then I got a quick follow-up question on that one. Uh, hi, guys. How are you? Uh, Woo! <laughs> Show the love. I uh, am an interior designer and um, also design product and many different things. And um, I would uh, do hotel design and residential design. And um, I went to uh, school in um, Boston and New York and uh, moved to LA when I was uh, 21. And uh, I started my business, which was very exciting. And um, even though I didn't know anyone, um, I met a friend of a friend, and um, it started with, and I actually worked with a designer in New York for about um, six months. And um, the reason why I moved to LA was because I grew up in South Carolina, and it was the weather, and. Um, <laughs> one guy. Anybody South Carolina? We got one. We got one South Carolina in the house. Oh, Myrtle Two. Beach. <laughs> and uh, so I moved um, to LA, and. Um, then, uh, so it was a friend of a friend asked me to do uh, their dining room, and um, I ended up, they loved it, and I ended up doing the whole entire house, and then they told someone, and it just grew organically, and uh, so it was very exciting, and um, so here I am. Yeah, so talk to me for just a second about the start. So I think there's two groups of people in here. There's the group that goes... I'm a creator, I'm an entrepreneur, I may be at one, two, three, four on the scale, and I'm, but I'm going to 10, baby. And then there's another group of people that, are, that don't self-identify as creator, or they wonder if they have what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And the concept of starting small, I mean, you're looking at Tan on TV, or Kevin who's sold several companies, and you're like, how, how can I do that? So talk to me, because what I loved in your answer was talking about the first thing I did was one room in one person's house. Well, you have to start somewhere, and for sure, the most important, there's three key ingredients. Uh, passion, which is super important. Your craft, but also being ambitious, your ambition. And I started out uh, 
just being super passionate as long as I can remember, always drawing and making things. And uh, my mom would take me to vintage stores and thrift stores, and I was into fashion and all that. And then, uh, and then the craft came when I was in high school, and I would take art classes, and I was uh, sketching, and I took some graphic design courses in high school. And then I went to college in Boston and New York, and did apprenticeships and internships. And while doing all that, I was waiting tables um, and paid my way through school. I worked my ass off. And, Anybody uh, here work their ass off? Anybody? I mean, it, it, it really, that's what it takes. Like, nothing comes easy. You have to work super hard. I can multitask like there's no one's business. And that did come from waiting tables, I know. And um, so I, um, so you have to start somewhere. And just being, uh, just having that ambition and the drive and the passion and knowing your, your skill set, just that's all you need. All right. Thank you very much. Kevin Rose. So, a lot of people aspire to build a company and maybe sell it. And Kevin is what they call a serial entrepreneur. A little website called Dig. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, and half a dozen others. Uh, what do you think? So, first of all, what got you interested in building things? And second of all, what do you feel like the number one characteristic of people who are successful? Because you've looked at, he also is a venture capitalist, he's invested in dozens if not hundreds of companies. So what is it that you look for? Yeah, I think that to start off, it has to be something that you are so personally passionate about that you'll do it without the monetary upside. So it's just something that drives you so much that you just have to go and build it. It's just like you, you wake up about it you know, for me, I remember back in the days um, when I was starting Dig, and this is a long time ago, it was 2004. You look great, by the oh, way. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I would wake up, and I'd just get so excited, I couldn't go back to sleep. And I, and I knew that was a good idea. That was something that I should go pursue and go after. So um, that's a big piece of it. I think that in terms of the teams that you fund and the people that you back, it's finding entrepreneurs that are able to admit when they don't know something. I think that so many times our ego gets in the way and we want to say like, oh, I, I got that figured out. But in reality, there's a lot of shit we all don't know. And, and we have to lean on mentors and other people. And I found that the best entrepreneurs, they will go and they'll seek out people they can learn from. And, and they will ask those questions. Um, and that was a mistake that I made early on in my career, but I learned from a lot of people. I, I, this is a, a random story, but it's, it's, it's not, I don't mean it to be name droppy, but back when Dig started in 2004, like Zuckerberg would come over to my office and ask me questions about how voting on things propagated throughout our network and what that meant to like elevate something, a piece of content by doing a social vote. And he introduced likes probably six months later. And it wasn't stealing, it's just he was, had this really curiosity and he didn't fully understand like how you could feed a vote into an algorithm and that would produce a better piece of content. And so that was some of the stuff that we were experimenting with very early on. And he went and he learned all of that. And every entrepreneur that I've met um, has had that, that little bit of curiosity and that willingness to say, raise their hand and say, I need to go learn from someone else. So you invented the like. <laughs> That's what well, I took away from that. We actually, the man who invented the like, right here. No, Woo! No, that's not, 
we actually had a funny story about that. We had that. <laughs> we had the patent on the like. We actually did have, we had the patent. We sold it um, to LinkedIn so that they would keep it open for everyone to use. So we didn't want to go and like use it as an evil thing because it it just so broadly applicable to so yeah. many different businesses. Yeah, the whole term like is pretty broad. Yeah, I mean, there's no, like no well, there's no reason to like protect that stuff. More yeah. people should be using that. So yeah. anyway, beautiful. One of the things that I, as I was listening to your answer, and I noticed that, Tan, you were, you were nodding your head, was around mentors. Yeah. So who in your career has provided guidance? I think we all, we come to places in our career where we don't have the answer, yeah. and we, we struggle not just on a, on a day-to-day, but on a, on a big strategic, like, should I move? Or should I take venture capital or should I bootstrap it and borrow from my friends or parents? So who in your world did you turn to when things got tough? Um, okay, so actually I, I worked, I was in Salt Lake and um, we didn't have WeWork. This was many years ago. Um, but we did have something comparable. I'm not going to say the name because they don't deserve the credit. No, I love them. Uh, but <laughs> but they, um, they offered a service like WeWork where there were so many super creative people. So it's not, not necessarily who was my mentor, it's who was I willing to go to to say, I don't know this aspect of the business and I will speak to what Kevin said. I think um, accepting the fact that you don't know everything about business is super important. I started my business uh, with no money whatsoever and I worked just as Kelly did um, for probably very little money and I was willing to sit in that discomfort and not earn a lot for a really long time so that my business could profit and I'd pump every penny I earned back into my business. And whilst I was, uh, whilst I was doing that, I therefore couldn't afford fancy offices, so I had to rent a space, a small space in somewhere like WeWork. And that gave me the opportunity to meet people that I would never have been able to meet. They needed my advice, I had stuff to offer, but they also had stuff to offer. So that's why I think something like this works so damn well, is there, there's a resource pool that you won't find in your own business. If I needed graphic design help, if I needed coding help, there was a guy further, on, uh, further along. Let me tell you, being sociable and charismatic is what gets you through business. Like You have to be able to network and meet with people and say, I don't know something, can you help me? If you help me, I'll help you. And that they were my mentors. They're the people who truly got me to where I am. If it weren't for my businesses and selling a few businesses, I wouldn't now be in the position that I am. So don't ever be afraid to treat those everyday people as your mentors. Truth. All right, as I was talking to some of y'all before we got on stage, another question that came up. Um, how do I stand out, right? It's, anyone feel like they're in a crowded space? Not physically right now. <laughs> Anybody feel like that there's a lot of people that are ahead of them in the game? Anyone show hands, feel like? So, Kelly, you have, you're a designer in Los Angeles. Sound crowded at all? I mean, how? You have managed to stay, you're doing hotels and huge residences and celebrities and like, how do you break through? What, what are a couple of the maybe two or three key ingredients that you've found will help you differentiate and stand out in a really crowded place? Uh, well, I, one of the most important things is you have to stay true to your vision and you have to stay true to what you believe in because if you don't, it gets very messy. Uh, you have to be really aware of what's going on in the design world around you, educating your eye, 
going to museums, going to galleries, going all over. That's so critical. So wait a minute. You're, you're a fashion designer, but you're, you're doing interiors. You're doing, like, you are getting references from museums, not from homes and not from uh, the latest magazine. No. That's, I think this is a really important takeaway. Like, and, and I had a professor who said, you, you have to know history to design into the future. And it's so true. And, and so that really, might be tweetable. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so it's important that we, that you, like, I really, of course, I look at design magazines and I look at Pinterest and you want to see what's going out in the world of design and technology and what people are doing, but you have to just stay true to your vision and what you believe in. Because if you are just looking at what other people are doing and being inspired by that, you got to be inspired by the abstract. So going to a museum, going, you know, I've had a piece of furniture inspire me to do an entire room. It's like how it's put together, what is the materiality, and really looking outside what you think the traditional box would be for inspiration, which are design magazines, and looking at fashion, that's a jewelry. There's so many other types of inspiration to find your voice. And, you know, I have clients who, uh, we're like, I love your style. And I said, well, you know what? I really want this, this home to feel like you. And they're like, well, I don't know. And I said, just go. Like, if, for example, if they're like, I don't know what color I like. I'm like, go into your closet and look at what you buy. Is it all black? Is it neutral? Do you buy color? Like, that's a great thing. Or going and just taking random photos. Like, not going on Pinterest and taking uh, pulls of rooms. Like, going and taking pulls of furniture and small details and putting them on a, a board and really looking and you, you find what your style is and what you like. There's so, so much wisdom in there. Thank you. That's beautiful. Now, one of the, a friend of mine is a woman named Brene Brown. I don't know if you know Brene, but amazing. Yes. Incredible. Incredible book. She's a, she has a funny story about uh, when she introduces herself at parties, I say, oh, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a shame and vulnerability researcher. And everyone just like leaves right away. She's like, to turn around and walk away. But what she's talked about, she's brought the concept of being vulnerable into pop culture. Uh, and I think we've all got a lot of lessons to learn from that. And in part of that, I think being an entrepreneur, you see it in movies. Uh, it's portrayed every day on Inc. Magazine, an entrepreneur in all these fancy places about all the good stuff. So Kevin, my question to you is, tell me a gritty, very not good moment in your career? Yeah, I mean, I've had a ton of those. I, I think that um, <clears throat> one of the things that um, when, as a venture capitalist, you meet a lot of different founders and um, you say no to probably 99% of the ideas that are presented to you. And the ones that are probably mo most exciting are the ones that are truly unique and really kind of going for it and not just me too ideas. And so um, one of the things that, that I've noticed is that a lot of these really unique ideas, they just fail. You know, I've had a handful of, of companies myself that have just gone out of business and failed. And you just have to really not beat yourself up over that type of stuff because it, it really, failure is just it really just admitting that you've learned something. And I, I feel that, that if you can frame it that way in your mind, then you'll be a lot more better suited and in a position to go and just really go for it because, uh, you're not building a business because you thought like, oh, I, I just want to do something that they're doing. You're building a business because you have a unique take on things and you think that this is something 
that is different than everybody else. And so I want to go and explore that. So just pushing that and, and taking it in all different directions, even if it's a crowded market, it's, it's important to, to go and explore and try as many things as possible. And if they fail, like, who cares? Like, you learn something, roll it back, and now go after something else. And, you know, that's, that's kind of been my theme. And, and you'll, you'll have a lot of failure that way. But when they hit, they hit pretty big. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push a little deeper. My friend Brene Brown says there's this thing called gold-plated grit where you talk about your failures, and then you get right on to the next success real quick. And then there's actually talking about it. So can you tell me specifically an example where you put it out there and it was crickets or you gave it everything you got and millions of venture dollars and it didn't work? Yeah, yes, for sure. I mean, um, Dig is a great example. I mean, we had a lot of early innovation that did quite well. Um, we attracted 30, a little over 38 million people a month were coming to the site at the time. And um, we basically just didn't understand, well, there's a handful of things that went wrong there, but, and then I learned from, but ultimately the, the company failed. I mean, it was sold off, but it wasn't, we had raised a ton of venture capital, we raised $30 million for the business. So um, it, was a, it was a complete failure in terms of a financial outcome, but um, in preparing me for what be, would come next, tons of learnings there. Uh, the, the most important thing that I think I took away from that experience was this idea of really taking your time to properly vet and hire the absolute best people. This is something that I learned at Google. When I was there, um, we, and, I, and I walked into Google for the first day, and you start meeting your coworkers and meeting the people you're going to be working with, it was clear to me that they say no to like 99% of the candidates and only the hi hire the best. And when you're working with the best, it gives you a sense of relief that you can properly delegate those tasks to them and things will get done the right way. Or even if they don't get done the right way and they go off and fail, you know you had your best chance putting your, placing your kind of chips behind that person. So I'm a big fan of taking my time to hire the right people, saying no to a lot of people, and then properly editing the, editing the team when it doesn't work out. If you have someone in your business where you're sitting there and you're looking around and you're saying, this person is underperforming, and I've coached them and they're still underperforming, and I don't think there's a way that I can get them to where they need to be, it's best for them and it's best for you to let them go and move on. And so many people just stick with that person and they keep them there at the company, and it's a toxic thing for the entire business. So you've you got to be willing to like quickly edit the team and, and move on. Truth. Truth. Kelly, talk to me about people in your organization. How valuable are they? How do you hire? What do you look for? Uh, people are incredibly important. I mean, that's how you scale a business. I mean, I started out with one, uh, one person, one assistant, and it's grown. There are 45 people in our studio right now, and we uh, are doing interior design, architecture, graphic design, product design, and uh, it's, it takes a long time to find the right people. It really does. And uh, when I started, I felt like I couldn't attract the right people. Like I had a vision of the type of person I wanted, and I was getting resumes, and they just weren't the right people that I needed. And there was a couple that I really nurtured and worked with, and they were really open, and they uh, still are just really important team members. Uh, 
And, uh, and I agree, if there's somebody who is part of the team who isn't adding the value, and one other thing that's important is you hire people so they can relieve pressure and let you do what you're best at, which mine is creating. And uh, so you want to give people the tools so they can shine in their department. And uh, so just having a team member, t the proper team is so important for you being able to do what you do best, but also to scale your business and grow. There's an amazing nugget in there. Anybody ever hired someone that added pressure to them? That you hire them and you realize that they're the worst? Like, <laughs> that's a really, really important nugget. And, and give us one of the and things. And it is, it's difficult because you like the person and it can be very, very hard and you become friends with them and you do, you, they stay on and it isn't good. It's not good for the team and it's just really important communication and being honest uh, even though it can be painful, is really just import very important. Thank you. Uh, so, Tan, like, I believe that a lot of people um, see people on TV. I'll, I'll use you as an example. We're talking about you. Ah, yeah. oh, he's got it all made. Just amazing. This Instagram looks so good. He looks it, it dapper does, it as does hell. Look it does looks look sharp. Good. You're on television, just got renewed, another season, but there's stuff underneath there. Yeah. Can you talk to us about some challenges that you've had? Because I think we all want to know that you're human. We all want to know that it's uh, hard out there. If any of you follow my Instagram, you know I'm very much human. Um, that I show warts and all on my Instagram. You usually see me when I don't look like this. It's usually 7 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and, and listen, uh, I'm going to compare business uh, with this industry that I'm in. Uh, I've only been in this industry for three months. I mean, I shot the show for a, a few months, but this is all very, very new to me. Um, so I'm seeing it through the same lens every one of you would if you were to just become a thing overnight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that you, you feel like it's all glitz and glamour. I think that's how I felt when I was starting my business, is that um, it was going to be super glamorous and I was going to make a fortune straight away and I was going to be able to do whatever I wanted and not really worry about finances. Somebody else will manage my team. That's not the way it is. Um, uh, every day of my business, and the same with the show, I am so, so invested. Um, I think it's really important what you guys said about having a great team. I have a great team on the show, but in my businesses I did also. I knew every facet of my business, and I made the effort to learn. Um, somebody once asked me recently, what do, um, what do I really think of every day I'm at work? Um, uh, what's the one thing that I remind myself of? Uh, learn everything, do everything. I wanted to learn every aspect of my business. I wanted to do every aspect of my business um, to make sure that nothing slipped through the cracks. I didn't want to have to do it personally, but I wanted to know every aspect of my business to make sure that uh, that if something was going wrong, I knew how to solve that problem. Every now and then we'll, we have somebody who doesn't do the best of work, as we've discussed tonight. Um, so you want to make sure you pick up the stack, and that's how I feel on the show. So sometimes when you see the end result on my Instagram or you see the end result on an episode, it seems like it was so easy. We all came together. We had a giggle. I put somebody in some floral shirts. And... Um, <laughs> And, and it was that easy. That's never the case. The, the behind the scenes is never super glamorous. If you're getting into your business thinking that uh, you're going to make a million dollars in a year, I guarantee you you're not, unless 
we are somebody who has an incredible uh, product that's never been done before. There's not many of us people out there. Um, so just know that with all the success, with all this glam comes a heck of a lot of hard work. And if you are not willing to put in that work, if you're not willing to really fight and fight and fight every day and do the 17 hours, yesterday's is a 17 hour day. If you're not willing to do those 17 hours, you're not gonna reap the rewards in the end. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. It's not as glamorous as it seems, y'all. You make it look hella glamorous, man. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, also when I was asking, polling the audience, uh, there was a lot around fear. I'm afraid to put myself out there. What if I fail publicly? Uh, what if I borrow money from the venture folks and can't pay it back? Uh, and so I, I, I know not just from this audience, but from doing this a lot, that fear uh, is a thing that keeps people back. How? Do you all, I want to I hear from each of you on this question. So, 30 second answer. How do you manage personal fear when, when you fail, it's rather public? You fail in as an investor, you put $10 million in something, it tanks. Or you've talked about your challenges at DIG. Uh, how do you manage fear? Uh, I got to start first on this one, I guess. Um, yeah, fear is, fear is difficult because it can sneak up on you and kind of come out of nowhere. And uh, there's a, sadly, we live in an environment in a world where uh, it, at times people can really look down on you if you fail and it feels like you're getting this pressure that, ah, oh, I'm going to be, you know, someone will, will say I'm a failure at a party or whatever it may be. Um, for me, I just realized that, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Like, you could be hit by a bus tomorrow. And for me, when I keep this idea in my mind that we, there's no lease on life, and this is like your shot, uh, that really helps me just say, well, I'm just going to go for it. And what's, what's the harm? Like, investors are investing in you because they have the extra capital to do so. And in fact, we know we're going to lose most of our money. When you're doing an investment in a venture capital firm, you realize you're going to lose probably nine out of 10 investments, but you're banking on that one that's going to make it. So that's okay. Um, just go for it. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm very grateful that I get to wake up in the morning and get to pursue things that I'm really excited about. And I don't want to hold back because all the best entrepreneurs and all the best people that you meet that actually do have breakout success and really make it, they, they don't hold back. They just like let every idea flow into something and, and, and play it out and, and just go for it. Nine out of 10. So just take that, like do that math for a second. That's the way the venture it's, it's world. something like one in 12, I actually. One in 12. It? So imagine if one out of every 12 of your ideas was successful. Imagine, like that's what the math that the people are doing, the calculations that are pumping money in the system, that's the math they're doing. Imagine if you applied that same math. Well, it's, it's funny, when we sit down with um, a founder, and I've done this probably dozens of times now, they've raised some venture capital, and they'll sit down and say, listen, I raised five million bucks, or three million bucks, or a million dollars. I've got enough to make payroll for the next three months. I'm thinking about this crazy idea, but, you know, but, but, but. And for me, I, the answer is always the same. Just go for it. And if you lose, I'll back you again, because... I am invested in you as an entrepreneur, and it may not be your first company, it may not be your second or your third, but eventually you're going to get it right, and you're going to create something massive. So as investors, you're really backing the individual, and you don't want to back people that are, have uh, fear, because you know that 
there's going to be so many challenges. As, as you all know, success is not a straight line. I mean, it's not even like a roller coaster. It's all over the place. And, and so when you know that, it's like you can get a lot more comfortable with it. Beautiful. Kelly, fear, 30 seconds. So Kevin, your answer was like 31 <laughs> seconds. It was perfect. Fear, I say you have to just, just tackle it head on. So when I was starting my interior design business and it was like all these iron beds and shabby chic and all this stuff was popular, I just did not like it. So I would have clients who were like, this is what I want. And they would show me a picture. And so it was scary. I was, I was t talking to them about going outside of the box and it was scary for me because these are like new clients. I, I, you know, didn't have like a proven track record. And so, but I believed in what I, I felt in my heart and I just tackled it and convinced clients that, that it's going to be beautiful. And um, so having confidence needs to outweigh the fear. Maybe tweetable, maybe. Beautiful. Um, okay, you guys have touched on it, uh, but um, so I'm going to echo what you guys have said. It really is about confidence. I, uh, when I'm fearful, when I'm worried about something, I lean in, uh, and that's what I did with business. That's what I do with the show. Can I give you two examples? Because I'm I represent two things. Um, so. Uh, when it comes to business, uh, there was times when things weren't going great, but I knew I felt so confidently that my product was bloody good. And so uh, even if somebody said, even if friends were saying, Tan, you're working your ass off, but things are failing, it didn't matter. I, I, I knew that I could make it work. It was just powering through. Uh, so I, I think that we've all been talking about this tonight is just make sure that you have conviction in what you're doing. You truly believe and love what you're doing. It's about the person. Sometimes your product might not be right. Sometimes you might make the wrong decision. But if you truly believe you can succeed at something and you're willing to put in the work, lean into that fear. You should be able to achieve something great. And uh, that's the case for me in this new world that I'm in. Kelly asked, uh, Kelly's a sweetheart. I just met her tonight. Um, and she asked if I was nervous tonight. And I, I'm not at all. I, I, I don't get nervous anymore coming into a room like this. I just realized that if I make a mistake, I make a mistake. We're all human, and if somebody wants to call me out on it later on Instagram, I'll have a rebuttal for you. Like, I, um, <laughs> I, I, we all make mistakes, and we're all human, and let somebody comment and say, hey, that was a bit shit that what you did there. So be it, I'll correct it later, and I'll find a better way to prove myself. I'm really, I'm an advocate for really trying to prove yourself, and if you failed, I'm gonna go twice as hard to make sure that I'm, I, I impress you the next time so you, so you forget what I did previously. So, um, so yeah, if, if you fail, don't be fearful of that. Just push harder the next time. Put your hand up if you believe in you, right? Come on, I got, I got everybody I hand up here. All. all right, gotta believe in you. If you don't believe in you, who's gonna? Okay, you gotta believe in you. The Fab Five believes in you all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. So I heard a lot about work. We got. We got. I want to. If you have a question in your mind, just start start thinking about that. Because I got. I got a couple more questions for these all, and then I'm gonna start moving into you all. This guy's stretching out over here. He's ready to pop up and ask this question. Um, I heard a lot about 14, 15, 17 hour days, pushing through when people don't believe in you. This is a, a lot of this can be hard, can be toxic, can be uh, not sleeping well at night. What do each of you do to take care of you? What do you do? What are some routines where you take care of yourself? Because if, it's sort of like, you know, the airplane thing. 
put on your own oxygen mask before assisting other passengers. Yeah. So how do you take care of you, Tan? I've got that um, for myself easily. We talk about this a lot on the show, and that's making sure that, as you said, put on your own oxygen mask first. If you're not taking care of yourself, God, God knows you're not going to be able to take care of your team around you, and you're not going to be a very good boss, a good employee. Um, so what I would say is, uh, you know what? No, I, I was about to just give you some information that I'm not meant to give you. So yeah, basically, uh, basically, I would uh, I would say the new show starts airing when. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, T just take take good care of yourself first. I uh, the way I do it is uh, I make sure I check in with my husband every day. I may be across the world, but it doesn't mean that I can't still communicate with the people who ground me, who make me feel good about myself, and who remind me what I, the reason why I'm doing something. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, the reason why I live in Salt Lake, yes, it's not the best of business sometimes, but it's because that keeps me grounded. It keeps me sane. Uh, I think you should find something that you can do every day or every few days um, because business really does consume your whole life. There was probably seven years where I didn't have a decent night's sleep, but at least I was doing something every day which was spending time with my husband even for 20 minutes to remind myself of why I'm doing this. Can I mention one other thing that really helped me? Is one other thing okay from Tan? I'll be so right, fast. Right, I'll, be so, I'll be so fast. Sorry, I know I'm late. Um, okay, so uh, I used to, uh, when I was having a really bad day, and I did this every week or so, so you'll remember this clearly. When, uh, when times are really hard, you need something that really gives you the motivation. You need to get back up and... and push your team harder. I, I had this house that I always wanted, um, and it wasn't ever on the market, but I would go around this neighborhood every week or so and take a stroll with my husband and say, one day, I'm going to do well enough at work. We're going to break through, and I'm going to buy you that house. And just find something that gives you the motivation. It doesn't have to be a thing. It can be a person. It can be a place. Just that thing that makes you think, I want to get into work today. I want to work harder. Yes, I failed yesterday, but goddamn, I'm going to prove myself today. Have a motivation for yourself. Beautiful. That isn't that isn't just monetary. That isn't just I want to make a million dollars. That's not going to give you the motivation you need. Great, self care. Either one of you. So one of the most important things is having love in your life, family, and love and support is first and foremost because that gives you a uh, just it's your foundation. Uh, and one thing that I do to take care of myself is I exercise. Every morning I go to Barry's boot camp and uh, <laughs> go to Barry's uh, and get my ass um, kicked. And, um, and then I, and I go to war, I take my boys to school and then I go to the studio. And this was probably like a year and a half ago. Like I go through the entire day. I'm, I'm so busy. We're in an open air, like 6,000 square foot studio. I don't have a private office. I'm out in the main area with, with the team. And so there's just people at me all the time. And literally I would have lunch and it would just sit there. And I was walking around and it was just, it was not good. And I was getting like a little cranky. So then I started going. My lunchtime, I go do another workout. And it, it, I feel like a million dollars coming back. I mean, it is my drug of choice exercise. And it really, it like, it's the key to, I think, success. You, like, it's like active meditation. Like, I can step out and get through the workout and what I'm doing, and it is this meditation. It clears my mind, and I'm a stronger, better leader and designer when I get back. Beautiful. Kevin. Yes. Uh, well, a ton of things. Um, I, I'm a big fan of, of all this kind of biohacking, and we've talked about some of this stuff before, but 
Um, he injected me before we came out here with something. I, I, I did not do that, but <laughs> if, if you require Thanks, it, man. we can talk later. Um, so I, I've done a bunch of, I, I work with a, a handful of different scientists that um, have really done um, uh, various studies on intermittent fasting and sauna usage and cold exposure. So um, highly recommend the Wim Hof method, which is a, a method that's a 10-week course for doing um, cold exposure that can really give you a, a ton of energy. Um, I also do exercise at least five days a week. Um, for me, it's a Peloton at home because it's really easy to just go from the office right to the Peloton and then back out um, and do those live classes. Um, I also try to meditate at least five days a week. That's, that's a big piece to be able to break away. And I limit myself to eight hours a day of work. Um, I find that at least for me, when I am well-rested, I'm a lot more creative. And when I sleep well, I'm a lot more creative. And then I also try to extend these benefits to the people I work with. So I offer um, a subsidy for people to buy flowers for their home every month so that every employee can have their own flowers at home. Wow. Um, a, a also another subsidy for people to use Uber so they can go out on their own and have like a night out on the town for themselves. Um, so just little things like that. Also um, working with um, uh, Fitbit and now Aura Ring to try and give employees bonuses for sleeping more hours. Um, so just like this idea of really putting the effort back into them and allowing them to have a better quality of life, I think, produces better work. We all want to work for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Wow. You got 400 job applications. All right. All right. Well, 399. You're not going to work for a guy who provides flowers for his wife's family? No. All right. I hear there might be a couple questions. So I saw some hands up earlier. We don't have time. For, how many we got time for, Tiffany? Like none, but we're gonna take. <laughs> we're gonna take um, some. Like we're gonna take one, maybe two. Like, but definitely just maybe one. Okay, speed round. Um, speed round. So, so it has to be quick. And okay. actually, I'm gonna point them out and pick them. Okay. And then we're gonna wrap this thing up because Sounds we have great. an award show to get to. Okay. Sounds great. Um, you. You're going to have to shout because I can't really get to you. Watch this. I'll repeat your question. You stand yeah. up. Tell me who you are, and then I'll repeat your question. Awesome. So for who, whoever couldn't hear that, it's like you, you do a lot of work for other people as an apprentice. How do you get the first gig? Because the challenge is you don't have any experience, right? So how do you get hired the first time? Beautiful question. Kelly, it's all you. Uh, when I moved to Los Angeles, I uh, had an apartment. And I did not have any clients. And um, I actually, for like the first six months I moved there, I had to wait tables again. It was hell. And, but what I did is I, uh, I did my apartment. I didn't have a ton of money. I would go every morning. I was the first one there at the flea market with the flashlights. And I actually did my apartment. And I got it published. And somebody saw that, and that's how, that's another way. Architecture is uh, definitely uh, different. Um, family, friends, uh, I think it's really important too, to while you are um, actively looking for potential clients, uh, now with SketchUp and all these amazing programs and design, you can create an incredible presentation. And so working on that on the side is really good, so you have that to show someone. Um, but um, it, it really is, it's like, it's connections, it's through a friend. That's how I got my first job. So I think talking to many, many people, um, being very social, and, uh, and it'll happen. All right, give it up for Kevin, Kelly, and Tan, y'all.
All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you, you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out. They're just slash Creative Live or at Creative Live all over out there on the internet. All right. Until again, uh, probably tomorrow. I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow and I'll look for your comments on the internets. Bye.